When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 9 postgame show. The Chicago Bears fell to the Tennessee Titans 24-17. to uh, Don't look at that score um, as indi- really any indication of how this game kind of fared out. The Bears, uh, with a huge lack of offense, had really no chance from the get-go, and we kind of anticipated that uh, with all the different things that were happening up front for the offensive line, but... Uh, it still doesn't make it any more uh, bearable kind of watching that one. I'm Russell DeWitt. Join with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And Nick, uh, as we kind of just jump into this post-game show and discuss our initial thoughts here, how you feeling uh, for me? Uh, irritated is going to be the word that I'll choose here. Just Again, that was a, a long few hours. Uh, it's a nice Sunday afternoon, and I, I feel like I got gypped a, a little bit staying indoors and watching a game like that. Yeah, absolutely. I texted my uncle at halftime saying, please tell me you turned off this Bears game. You're outside enjoying this beautiful weather in November, which we don't normally get in the Chicagoland area. And he said, oh, yeah, I definitely did that. I didn't need your advice, Nick, but I'm glad you, you know, um, just texted me to make sure I was doing that. But yeah, disappointing. Um, But we we told fans on our preview show, Will, that you should expect to see something ugly, ugly on Sunday. And that's what it was. It was everything that we thought it was going to be and probably a little bit more, to be completely honest. So it was something that we were expecting, but it's still frustrating as hell to see it kind of unwind as the, you know, four quarters of this game just kind of happened and thank God are done with. Yeah, it's one of those things where 
we're watching a super, uh, super bad, a, a terrible and inept an incapable offense squander a very good Chicago Bears defense. And it's just frustrating uh, to kind of have the same tune now. This is like three weeks in a row where we're coming on. We're not feeling good about it. There's nothing we can do to fix it. I don't think there's anything that they can do to fix it. And we're going to have to watch this thing kind of throughout and see how it plays out. But I don't think the hope is there that it felt like we even had when we were sitting at 5-1 and one just a few weeks ago. It feels like a whole lifetime ago right now, Nick. And uh, I know I told you uh, when I was looking at this game, you know, I shook the kids' magic eight ball, and it said, the, you know, outcome, you know, not so good. Uh, this is not going to be a good game. Uh, I sent you one because you told me in the last show that you never had a magic eight ball, always wanted uh, a magic eight ball. And I don't know, did you ask it? Is this what it foretold you? Or I'm just curious. I know you're telling me your dad was already uh, inquiring and trying to use the powers that be. And I'm glad to see that uh, the whole family's kind of getting into that. Yeah, absolutely. So I didn't ask it anything specifically about the Bears game yesterday when, when I got this. But I might as well just shake it and see, will this get any better? Maybe I should have waited for the end of the show. Here, I'll leave the result for the end of the show. We'll see if it gets any better. We're just going to put it down. And we're just going to put... Putting down the Magic 8-Ball, I shook it already. Will the offensive struggles, this offensive problem, will they get any better Will as, as this season goes on? The Magic 8-Ball has the answer. I guess we'll have to wait till the end of the show to see what that answer is. It's spoken. Uh, don't look at it if you haven't yet, Nick, and we'll figure that out here. I, I like that. That gives us something to look forward to, which I feel like we kind of need um, in a show like this. But is there any other just initial thoughts, or should we jump into our Miller Lite monster moment of the game and really just start diving in? Yeah, let's let's get to the, the monster moment, Will. Again, we'll, we'll kind of dissect every level of this offense. I guess we have to, but, yeah, let's go on to the, the monster moment here, Will. All right, so for me, my monster moment here for Week 9, it's going to have to be the fumble scoop and score. Uh, it's the biggest play, to, at least for me, in the game. Four minutes, 53 seconds left in the third quarter. Bears were driving. They were inside of Tennessee territory, I believe it around the 30-yard line, and they had a chance at that moment to make it a one-score game. You're only looking at a 10-0 ball game at that moment. And instead, you do a screen pass. You give it to Monty. He fumbles it. Uh, the guy picks it up, runs it all the way back, which, by the way, on that play, Nick Foles is trying to chase him down from behind. I've never seen Nick Foles run that. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. It's unfortunate that it takes him to have the ball. Maybe the ball's just too heavy, and that's why he was always so like slow and statue-like in the pocket and uh, enabled to really you know, scramble all too much. But uh, for me, Nick, I thought that one uh, was huge. Uh, it turned it uh, from an opportunity for the Bears to make it a one-score game. Instead, turned it into a three-possession ball game, which for this Bears offense, uh, unless the defense shouldered all the load, it's just way too much to overcome. Uh, so for me, I thought that was the biggest moment of the game. And heck, you take that off the board, and again, I know the Bears scored in garbage time, but you're still looking at a potential tied football game there, at least if you're just looking at the points scored in this one. So for me, uh, that Montgomery fumble and the points off of it to me is my monster moment of the game. How about you, Nick? What was the biggest moment in your eyes? 
You know what? And this is definitely not a, a moment that dictated the game, especially because it was so early on. But I look at that Bears' first drive, Will, and the Bears are kind of moving the ball, surprisingly. First, uh, first possession on offense. Then they come down to the fourth and one play. And it's a fake toss to Patterson and then the run to Montgomery that gains absolutely nothing on fourth and one. The Bears turn it over on downs or at the Tennessee 34-yard line. That could have been a big moment in just getting a potential score, even if it was just three points. Because we saw how this how close this game was in this first half for a long time. But that I knew right then and there, once that happened, there was the, the offense wasn't going to do anything. The next three possessions, Will, three and outs. Three, three and outs in a row after this first possession. So it wasn't the biggest play. Like I said, it's not going to dictate the entire game. There's still a whole entire game to be played after this Bears' first drive. But it was at fourth and one, the inability to pick up a yard, the play call itself, like Nick Foles having to fake the toss and then having to hand off the ball to David Montgomery. What you're asking, yes, you're trying to get maybe some misdirection, some guys, the Titans defenders to go one way, but you're also asking the offensive line to just hold that block a little bit longer. Four or five starters, original starters, are not in the game. So that just, it. I knew right then and there, Will, Bears offense wasn't going to do anything and it ended up being right but that's my monster moment the inability to pick up that fourth down there were you know several others throughout the game again didn't dictate what could have been the game but it just foreshadowed what this offense was incapable of doing you know what again this game felt like an eternity uh, from quarter to quarter drive to drive play to play I forgot about that and even later in the game, they had other opportunities when they were knocking on the door, at least in field goal range, and they ended up trying to go for it. And there's ones where they have the false starts and they're moving themselves backwards and out of field goal range. And that's interesting because, again, that's other. there's more than one possession here. You're looking at, I think, three different possessions where the Bears could have came away with at least three points and how this game was going early. That could have been enough uh, to help at least get this Bears team in a real position to perhaps come away and squander or you know come away with a victory here so for me that's a that's a big monster moment like you mentioned as well and of course our monster moments are brought to you by our friends over at Miller Lite here at the Chicago Audible our goal throughout the years have always been to bring Bears fans together all across the globe and of course that's more important now than ever whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste is always close by with the original light beer, Miller Lite, who has always been there to bring people together through Miller time. Miller Lite, it's the only beer of the Chicago Bears. They've had a long-term partnership with the Bears. They've been a staple at Soldier Field for decades. And I know, Nick, you and I, we have many great memories toasting touchdowns. I wish we had more of those today to talk about uh, with Miller Lights, with our friends, our families at home games, you know, chanting, Duh, Bears! So here's to the Bears. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller time. No matter where you're watching the game, it's always Miller time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Lite for your game day needs. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All righty. You're listening to the Chicago Audible. And this is our post-game show here. Week 9, Bears, Titans, Bears fall now to 5-4 and four on the season. And, Nick, before we kind of jump into the second quarter and really just, I don't know how much we want to dissect this offense, if there even is an offense to discuss. Before we do that, is there a stat or two that really stands out to you after this game? I think third down is probably the most obvious one that I can just think of right now just looking at the box score where this Bears offense was 2 of 15 on third down going up against the worst third down defense 
in the league, which is not nothing new. Last week we were going up against like the 30th ranked one and still struggled with a makeshift offensive line. Didn't expect things to uh, really pick up here in this regard, but also I felt like they weren't giving themselves even chances with the short throws ahead of the chains. It's just very frustrating to watch in general. But two of 15 uh, to me on third down uh, was a big one. Uh, and I have another one too, but before I do, I'm just curious to uh, your take here on a standout stat. Yeah, I think 375 yards of offense for the Bears to Tennessee's 228. We just talked about right at the beginning of this podcast that even the score is misleading, 24-17. What it actually was was just a complete whooping, a beatdown by the Tennessee Titans on the Bears. And the 375 yards that the Bears were able to get throughout the four quarters of this game, that's not indicative of how how bad this offense was because it, the, the the yards looks good like 375 you'll pr- probably take it given what the bears have been doing on offense this season but that's that's no indication of how bad this game actually was and to even have more yards than tennessee titans that put up 24 points and obviously we have the fumble return for a touchdown by a titans defense but still they gained more yards than the titans but this offense was atrocious i i think i tweeted during the game well like I think this is the worst Bears performance, offense performance I've ever seen. Again, the score doesn't reflect that, but just watching it unfold penalties, missed blocks, miscue, like everything looks so bad. And there's been a lot of bad ones, Will. Like I think of 2019, Bears-Eagles. That was a terrible one for Mitch Trubisky. There's, there's been plenty. And this one, for, for some reason, even though I knew it was, it was not going to be a good outcome for this Bears offense, this one frustrated me. So again, recency bias maybe it's the worst one, but it's it's sad that I can say, well, no, there is that one last year. Maybe into like you could almost point to almost every season and be like, well, there was that one, but this one was just awful. And that 375 yards does not reflect what this Bears offense wasn't capable of doing today against the Titans. You must forget the Jimmy Clausen game versus Seattle, uh, where the Bears couldn't punts, even pick, right? they or, couldn't even pick up a first down uh, in that game. So. It's a little bit better here. But, again, it's, I think it's the frustration coming through. And I understand. I mean, it's, it, was, it was hard to watch uh, today and all. And one thing that I mentioned uh, in our postgame show uh, towards the end when we were predicting MVBs, I was like, you know, Nick Foles, I think, will end up being the MVB uh, primarily because I thought they were going to have to run through him a lot with this offensive line. And I think the box score shows that happened, the fact that he had to throw that sucker 52 times today uh which he got halfway to 100 i can't i want to find out the last time a bears quarterback threw 52 times or over 50 times in a game because i can't remember uh seeing a number this high doing this show again maybe once but i'd have to look into it here after the game because that's that's a lot of attempts uh and i think it's showing that they couldn't run and on top of that too the offensive line just having to use the quick passing game as an extension of your run but 52 times in nick Foles' hand against the Titans defense you think you would get a little bit more results than this um, but unfortunately uh, that is not the case and Nick we can jump right into the second quarter of our show and talk about this Bears offense now officially uh, I think let's just begin with the offensive line um, because that was the biggest focal point that we had in the preview show and I know that Tennessee didn't have Clowney uh, I know they've been really really bad at getting after quarterbacks and I know people were getting all shifted around you have guys uh, all over the place that were making uh, some you know first career starts I think I actually have 
fit over here. You had uh, Arlington Hambright at left guard, who had zero career snaps. Alex Bards had zero career snaps at center. And then you had Jermaine Effetti. And then Rashad Coward, who had one career snap at right tackle, uh, which I think every snap uh, today he was just completely uh, overpowered. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I don't think a tackle would ever have been a good fit for him after what I saw here today. Um, but Nick, uh, I know we all say, you know games were won and lost in the trenches. Bears drastically lost this battle up front, and I said it also in the preview. You know, it all rolls downhill. Did you see that today? Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. With everything started up front, and then with the inability to provide not even subpar protection, obviously that affected Foles. But it's like what else can you do you notice the offensive line you have to go with with limited coaching going into the week with COVID impacting people you're playing guys like you just mentioned Will zero career snaps a seventh round draft pick at left guard Alex Bars being a guy that couldn't even beat out Rashad Coward who then has to start at right tackle being the finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. It's like, this was bound to happen. It really was. And I like I almost don't want to even blame the players because they're being asked to be starters I almost go more to like the management and saying like how is this the group that you have to put out there why isn't there anybody else that's capable and I know the Bears are going to bring in Eric Cush at some point um, but still like this is the group that they have this is all they got and now they have to try to work this throughout the rest of the season possibly we don't know when or if Bobby Massey is going to come back Cody Whitehair is still dealing with that calf and the, the COVID protocol and seeing when he can ever come back you this is the group for maybe the next two games obviously they have a bye week maybe they can get healthy at that point but it, it obviously wasn't good enough and I anybody expecting to see more with less in terms of offense production no way not with this group not ever and the Titans are not a good pass rushing team they're just not and they had three sacks a day. They were tied for the second least coming into this game with seven at three with their total now. And there could have been a plenty, plenty more, Will. So it's a it's a terrible situation to be in. It, it, to be completely blunt with it, like I don't know how this offense can get better. And we'll see what the Magic 8-Ball says. If it will, it probably won't. But we'll, we'll see. I don't know how it can, uh, honestly. They don't have any push they can't even block correctly they can't pick up basic blitzes or even just one-on-one winning battles and it's not there's nothing that I saw today that gives me any confidence uh, for this group moving forward by the way uh, Nick Foles is 52 is eight shy of the Bears all-time record I see of passing attempts in the game of Eric Kramer's 60 
that he had in 1997 uh, against the Jets. I'm still trying to find out if I've seen anyone else in the 50s ever on this show. Um, but so far, I found Eric Kramer um, at his 60. Uh, I'll get off of this page. We can get back to our discussion here, and I'll figure it out here, either on the show or after. I'm just really curious. <laughs> it's like, you know, after all this, why not just if I can find one little thing that'd be interesting here? But offensive line, again, it's not going to get any better. Uh, even if you get, uh, I mean, you're not going to get Bobby Massey back for a while. Um, so then the only hope here up front for now, I mean, you could get Jason Spriggs back here soon, which is a little bit helpful. But even then, I mean, it's, it's marginal. It's no matter what, it's not going to be enough to really help this team uh, as we kind of get throughout the rest of this season. So, yeah, I don't have much hope. Uh, we'll find out what the Magic 8-Ball says. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, we've been very vocal against the play calling lately, and it felt like the very first drive I liked what we were seeing. A lot of moving the pocket, using some play action, quick passes to the outside, and we were eating it up. And then I feel like we forgot that we even did that on the first drive. I know teams make adjustments, but – Obviously, we abandoned it ourselves. So what were just your uh, your general thoughts on, just, I guess, play calling in general? Yeah, and it's hard to assess, like, right after the games, given, like, the offensive line's probably blowing some plays um, for even to see what the full play could actually be. But I had a, a problem with, like, personnel standpoint. Like, I know Cole Komet was not the healthiest uh, going into this game, but he was out there. Where was he, though? Right. Like, where was Cole Komet? At, at any point, like, the, the Bears basically decided, like, once David Montgomery went down, Ryan Nall, I've you seen the game, he gets his first touchdown, that's great and all, but, like, these shorter passes towards the, the flats, like, they're going to Ryan Nall, like, that's easily a thing that Cole Komet could be doing, or even Jimmy Graham getting those those little short passes, like, why can't Cole Komet be the guy being the recipient of those passes? And not to say that that's going to make a dramatic difference, it's not, but just a personnel uh, on that very specific um, instance, like tight end usage, where's Cole Komet? So I had a problem with that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, again, I liked what they were doing the first drive, but I think just overall, he couldn't, Matt Nagy couldn't really run the offense that he, whatever this offense is, he couldn't do it with that offensive line. But I think once we get time to kind of go back, watch exactly what it was for what it, what we could see. I think we're still going to find a lot of glaring disappointments, as as we usually do, Will. But what was your assessment of Nagy's play calling in this very disappointing 24-17 loss for the Titans? It's a good question. Uh, not good, uh, but also I called plays for a middle school this year, and I didn't have much help from an offensive line. And I, I can understand how uh, restricted uh, will be the word I want to use here when you don't have a line that can block anything. Uh, I had it where I'm running plays up the middle, destroyed. Trying to run it outside, destroyed. Quick passes, destroyed. And I, I felt like, you know, no matter what I call, it's going backwards. And even though the Bears gained yards today, I do think Nagy probably had a similar sense where, you know, it doesn't matter what I'm going to call here because I don't have the protection up front that's going to allow it to succeed uh, and until you get to garbage time. And then you find some ways to move the ball down the field. But... Again, when you have a Tennessee Titans uh, defense that had seven sacks in a year, they came away with three today without their best pass rusher on the field. I think it's a, a very much a, a, a big point there to show how effective they were able to be, even though they haven't been able to all season. That shows how bad everyone up front really was. I mean, there are times, and on top of that too, I guess I want to kind of shift off play calling and just the guys out there in general. 
the execution standpoint uh, was another frustrating element. It seemed like uh, miscommunications in the backfield. They couldn't get the timing right on handoffs, and uh, you're fumbling as a quarterback. I understand you have a different center. Uh, now you're third center in three games, which I know that's another uh, issue uh, that no quarterback wants to endure throughout a season. Um, but, yeah, just it seemed like they couldn't even get into a rhythm. Even when they could move the ball, they couldn't. They never felt like a cohesive unit. It felt like they got – a good play here, a good play there, and then they start shooting themselves in the foot, going backwards. You know, one step forward, about ten steps backward. Uh, that's just the offense that we've seen all year, uh, unfortunately. But whenever they felt like some momentum was building, they find some way, whether it be a false start uh, or any a penalty or just a drop or a sack allowed, to really just kill the momentum in a hurry. Uh, again, this is pre fourth quarter, uh, but that's kind of. You know, some more, I guess, venting for me is just the execution and the inability to even maintain any established momentum that they did create. Yeah, well, and just to kind of add on to this, let's let's even go in drive-by-drive kind of standpoints. The first drive, Allen Robinson catches that ball on what is the third and five play. He's short of the sticks. We always talk about the details and details of route running. Allen Robinson needs to know how far he needs to run to get a first down on that reception, which he was open on. He goes out of bounds. The fourth down play, Bears can't convert. They they turn over the ball and downs. Then you have on the third drive, third and six, Foles actually steps up in the pocket. Miller's open in the middle of the field. Foles can't hit him. So these are two plays by your offensive, like the veterans, the leaders of your offense. Your quarterback can't make a play over the middle to Anthony Miller, who's open on third and six. Allen Robinson can't get run the right depth on his third and five five down play to get the first down then I just think of the false start penalty on Jimmy Graham like that's another veteran making a mistake so yeah we could blame the offensive line that doesn't have a lot of experience a lot of young guys on there but those three players I just mentioned all veterans all people that should know what to do and how to execute but guess what are lacking the details that Matt Nagy keeps reaching about so we we can blame the offensive line we can blame the play calling but it goes back to what you were just talking about will execution details they don't have that there's such an undisciplined team and it's frustrating to watch veteran guys make these mistakes because if there's anybody that should be doing something right it's at least those guys they can't even get it right so this whole offense is just it's trash it is basically trash and that's that's what we have to roll with because nobody can get it right and again i am just frustrated even talking about it but that's what the bears have at this point i was just like third downs again getting back to those and just every throw was tremendously uh you know short of the line to gain and again they're not set up to even have any downfield blocking to make these it's we don't we haven't seen it work all year i don't know why we're not trying it and then what happens they throw the ball past the six late in the game to Riley Ridley, who, hello, finally he's active. They get him out there to give him a target, and you're able to convert. Your very first third down is a third and 16 conversion. And what I think the Bears did good, at least early on in this game, was putting themselves in capable third down spots. It was third. I'm looking down my list, third and five, third and three, third and six, third and six, third and two. You should be converting on a few of those against the worst third down defense in the NFL, but short pass. Incomplete pass, pressure, threw it away, stuff because you're getting too cute on some short runs. It's it's really just discouraging, and it's just so hard to watch. And 
there was one play design I kind of liked. Uh, it didn't work, but it was on the third and 18, where it was actually just like it was like a, a crossing route to uh, Cordero Patterson about eight yards down the field. And even though it frustrated me, what I saw differently, though, is they had like trips on the other side and actually used them as like lead blockers down. And so it was almost like an extended like screen pass, but down the field when he had the blockers in front and had them, but he couldn't just meet them and get up there. So that was an interesting concept, which we've seen that not in a, a third and 18. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's really frustrating. And again, only getting into red zone only once to get down the fourth quarter. I forgot what the red zone even meant. Uh, I don't even know, Nick. It's just <laughs> we could we can hash it out. We can just talk about how bad they suck, uh, whether it's ever, but. I don't know if it's even worth it at this point. I don't know what I can say that I haven't said already this season. I don't know what they can do to fix it uh, from play calling to quarterback play to offensive line. It's all broken, and I don't know what they can do. And it's just it's just frustrating. It's infuriating. And I don't know. I'm at a loss because I try to find positive spins. I try to find ways to fix it. I try, and But also, like, everything I want to complain about, it's nothing new, and I hate repeating myself too much this season. Yeah, no, I get you, Will, and you know what, we, we shouldn't do that, but the one bright spot, and it's literally one, well, obviously Allen Robinson's a, a great player himself. You see the acrobatic catches some of these wide receivers are making, but Darnell Mooney is a, he's a fantastic wide receiver. Man, the Bears are so lucky to have a guy like that in this offense. Seeing that one catch where the linebacker's trailing, and he makes the catch, and he gets hit by the linebacker at the same time, or even there was a one where the ball's low by Nick Foles. He's able to catch in stride and try to get a few additional yards. It's fun watching him play. And I loved I, I, I loved seeing the frustration out of him when he sees that Jimmy Graham makes his false start. He immediately puts his, head, his hands on his helmet. And then I think during the broadcast he said, oh, he took off his helmet in frustration. Well, that's a fifth-round rookie who's just fed up with all the crap he is seeing on the side because he's holding his end of the bargain, just doing as much as he can. But all these other guys cannot pull their weight. And I, I'm just I'm happy the Bears have him. It's unfortunate that they don't have an offensive line or even a quarterback that can really maximize his potential, even in his rookie season. But it is fun to watch him play. I love the emotion he plays with. And he's, he's a bright spot. So try to, not that that's going to you know, make people feel happy about like, everything that we saw today, but he is a bright spot. We're lucky to have Darnell Mooney. It's only going to go, you would think it's only going to go up from here if the Bears can actually give him something to work with. Yeah, I mean, no no doubt about that one. He, he, he had himself a pretty good game overall, uh, Mooney did, you know, 43 yards on his five catches. Uh, he was the most targeted Bear, and I, I, it's nice to see that they're going his way uh, and they're trusting in him, but it's still, again, I don't know to me if it's enough. And then while you're talking, I'm like, what else kind of pissed me off as I was watching this game? <laughs> <laughs> and I was remembering you got the fake punt. You, you, that worked out for him, right? You get the fake punt, and then you have to burn a timeout because you don't have a, a play lined up afterwards. It's like either that you're overthinking the play call and you don't get it in quick enough, or you literally didn't think it was going to work, or he didn't even know they were yep. going to do it because Chris Tabor just pulled it out and didn't even tell Nagy. He's like, wait, what? And I have to put the offense back out here? I, I wasn't even ready, but like it, to me, it seems like every time they show Nagy, here's my problem with him. Ready? Every time they show Matt Nagy, this is what he's doing. He's not watching the game. It's he's in his play call sheet, deep into the thing. And uh, I don't, again, maybe there's too many plays. Uh, maybe they're the wrong plays on that sheet. But he's just 
always up in it, and I don't know if he's ever watching the game that's actually playing in front of him, and I wonder if that's part of his issue as well. No, I'm glad you really brought that up, Will. And Yeah, I think one of us is going to at some point, but after that fake punt, I just really think that Matt Nagy, if he was a part of it, um, making this, this fake punt happen, which led to the longest run that the Bears had, which was from Barkevius Mingo, 11 <laughs> yards. Congrats to Chris Tabor and Mingo for accomplishing that today. But I just honestly think that he didn't think it was going to work. And so when it did, like, oh, shoot, i got to find a play and timeout. So details, Will. Details. We're going to talk about the details where it's they're not there. And it's so, so frustrating. But, yeah, like, I bet if we were to, like, really go through all of our notes, we could just keep on finding things that that can frustrate us. And in this performance, yeah, it makes sense. But, yeah, that was another one where you just see the Bears offense is not prepared. And Matt, Matt Nagy, I, I, yeah, whenever you see him on the sidelines, just deep, deep into the play call sheet that I wonder if it just says this is going to result in a punt, 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 just on the play call sheet. So he's like, Okay, maybe... He has, like, the red expo marker. I'm like, I wonder if he... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TemperPedic.com. He's like crossing off plays that he just knows won't work anymore. Uh, and again, <laughs> the whole playbook just you know, and red X. they had all the play call sheets around him when they like, did like the draft war room. And it's like you have all these plays yet you can't find any of them that are working. And to me, it's really ridiculous. And speaking of that, I know you talked about you know Cole Komet and where the heck is he? He's out there, but they're not using him. I think that's another huge frustration that we're all sharing right now. Uh, Ryan all having four targets in that fourth quarter and okay fine I know they play different positions but the fact that you're having again a target share where zero of them are going to Cole Komet and if you use Komet like you did Graham a little bit today underneath I think you pick up more yards because Komet's a little bit more athletic he's quicker he can force more missed tackles and I feel like it's just yet another missed opportunity I know he was hurt but like if he's hurt but he can go out there and run block for you when he, can he also catch the ball and run a little bit? I would think so um, if he's out there and he's available. But And then one other thing I'm going to gripe about real quick is the infatuation uh, that they continue to have with a Cordero Patterson on offense. Uh, it seems like it's going to him a little bit too much, uh, and I, I still would wish if they needed to put in um, a running back. I mean, heck, Nall, fine, Pierce. He, he didn't even get out there until like the very end of the game. If you feel like you have to get someone some more production of a back, I feel like you need to put someone that's more of a natural fit uh, at the position. And I know they like Patterson, but seven touches today, 30 yards for it, 40 yards for it, it's not enough. And I talked about that during our report card show. He's touching the ball a lot more. And he's already – he's still way down his total yards from last year, yet over double the amount of touches. Uh, They're not getting nearly as much – you know, return on touch. We'll call it rot because that's what this Bears offense is. It's just <laughs> straight rotten. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I don't know how much more I want to even talk about this side of the ball. I don't, they didn't give us anything to talk about, yet we still keep blabbering on, Mr. Mariano. Yeah, we do keep blabbering on, and the Bears keep putting up just performances that we have to blabble about, I guess. It's just not 
not a good situation to be in here, Will. And if you want to move on to the third quarter of the show, I'm I'm not opposed to that. You are not opposed to that. So we shouldn't talk about all the three and outs. Did I hit my mark on the over under? Well, uh, yeah. Let's let's just go check this out real quick. Might as well. Why not talk about this offense a little bit more? Um, <laughs> I know, right? Three, I'm, three. I'm a glutton for self torture. <laughs> so we have three three and outs um, after the Bears' first drive of the game. If I'm correct, there. Yep. So we have three there. Then we have. Oh no! Well, one play. Does it count if it's a one play fumble? I mean, that's not a three and out, no. I mean, it was a no, turnover before three downs, but I wouldn't call it a technical three and out. I think I was right then, Will. I was right with four. They Right at the end of the half, they have a, oh, I guess it's just three plays. They didn't get the punt yet. They didn't get to punt it, but they ran out of time, and they would have. They would have just punted it. Yeah. Like they, they, or they wouldn't have made it, so it doesn't matter. So they had four three and outs, and that's. I was surprised. See, they had four three and outs in the first half. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was expecting another one at some point in this game, but they kind of were able to move the ball a little bit more effectively in the second half. But four three and outs for the Bears' offense. I guess I I won that one, but it's not happy. Obviously, no one's happy with the number of three and outs that the Bears' offense had today. No, and again, if you're if you were working or doing some yard work, or you can watch this game and you see all the yards the Bears put up, please take them with huge grains of salt. I mean, early on in this game when. It was still kind of, you know, an actual contention, and the Bears moved the ball 41 yards on their first drive. It took them nine plays to gain their next 13 yards. I mean, there was a really dark period for this offense, and uh, I actually just almost threw up in my mouth a little bit just thinking about it and had to <laughs> hold that one in. So, yeah, it's it's not good. It's all the three and outs and the inability to even do anything uh, until really the Titans just played way off. Uh, they kind of – took their foot off the gas pedal a little bit which was really the the bears only chance of even moving this thing uh today uh, which again kind of saw it coming but it doesn't make it uh, any easier whatsoever but nick last call for offense I- i'm done same here well there's um nothing else to talk about but we'll see if it'll get better though the magic eight ball so we have that to look forward to yeah we'll do that in the last quarter here of of the show moving into the third quarter let's talk about this bears defense uh they were doing some good things here today yet again uh for a while i thought my bold prediction uh was going to come true i had the bears if you don't remember nick uh keeping derrick henry to only 55 yards on the ground he only had 68 and you know what if akeem hicks makes a tackle i may have been able to hold my uh my bold prediction would have came true i was feeling really good when the bears at halftime uh, only was having him uh, 26 yards on 13 carries. The NFL's leading rusher, Nick, was only averaging two yards per carry. And how I want to begin talking about this is you and I both, as we're looking at this game, we're calling for big days out of the inside linebackers, both Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan. And boy, did they come to play. They were all over the field. They were tackling, uh, you know, wrapping up, taking people down. And what I saw them do against Henry, which is the right thing to do, is you tackle him at his legs. Uh, and you get real low on his legs, too. Not the thighs. Uh, you go down a little bit lower. Uh, it was working. Uh, both Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan uh, were blowing him up, uh, getting those really short, uh, either in the backfield or just some really short games allowed. And I just want to give them a lot of kudos today. 
uh, because I thought they played you know their asses off. Uh, to be frank, uh, they were uh, Danny Trevathan. Uh, not just I mean he had that one play in coverage too on Corey Davis late in this game that was a great play against a wide receiver. It's a huge mismatch for the Titans and Trevathan was in good coverage able to put his hand up on that ball, rip it out a little bit. He played through the whole catch process, uh, which allowed him to kind of knock that thing out, and that's a positive. And then, again, what they're able to do against Henry, uh, against really the entire uh, Titans rushing attack, because they rotated backs in, I think, more than I've seen all season for them. They're trying to get something going on the ground, and it wasn't the NFL's leading rusher, uh, That they, at least at some points. They're going to their second guy, their third guy. And uh, I don't think I've seen that out of this team too much this season. And I think that's a huge testament and a kudos to this Bears run defense for as bad as they were a week ago to turn it around like they did today. Uh, that's something that, you know, a little bit of a tip of the cap to uh, because I think we need some of those kind of uh, moments. And uh, this is one, at least I have a little bit of a smile on my face now uh, thinking about that run defense. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty sure, Will, we've also talked about wanting to see those double A-gap blitzes with the two linebackers. We saw that today with Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan, and it worked to perfection for this Bears defense. Roquan Smith ends up getting the sack. I think it was on a third and ten play. That's the perfect time to do something like that. When you have two linebackers that are they're playing some good football as of late, Danny Trevathan has made a complete 180-degree turn from what he was playing like in the first two to three games of the season to where he's at now I like this Dan Trevathan when you can guard a wide receiver 20 to 30 yards down the field and break up the pass on Corey Davis who just had a hundred yard game last last week against the Bengals that's awesome stuff when Roquan Smith is the first guy there to tackle Derrick Henry and hang on and not let him just drag him down for an additional two or three yards that's great to see these inside linebackers are flowing are filling their gaps, are run-stopping, are being productive, being the guys that I think coming into this season, well, we were anticipating them to be, and they did that against the NFL's leading rusher. You love to see that stuff. So I was really impressed by how these two inside linebackers played. They, look, they kept it as close as they could for as long as they could, given the circumstances they were in with this Bears offense just being you know unable to really sustain anything um but yeah I was really impressed just like you with how they played today yeah I mean we needed a big game they showed out to play and this is up front they didn't have John Jenkins you didn't have Roy Robertson Harris so you're getting big plays from guys like Mario Edwards yet again and on top of that one too I think someone that I want to talk about I'm going to do it now before I forget um because it's no fault of his own but can we talk about Daniel McCullers for like a hot minute because at first I was like, who is this guy? Who is 75? Yep. I, I don't remember this man at all until I saw the last name. I'm like, oh, this is the guy that they signed weeks ago that we were wondering, can he be the nose tackle help that we were looking for? And we kind of started to see Bilal Nichols and John Jenkins do it. And then you bring in McCullers, and I thought he played really well. He had four tackles today. He was holding his own up front. And he was whenever I saw Derrick Henry – running between the tackles and McCullers is out there. He was in the mix with a Roquan and a Danny Trevathan. And for a guy that is in a, seeing his first action this season, a, a player that I forgot they even signed, I don't know, it made me happy to see. Uh, so, again, the small victories today is what we're going to be talking about, at least when it comes to the Bears' defense. Um, but I don't know, did he stand out to you a little bit? Because uh, I put him down in my notes. I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to add him to like my player sheet. Uh, and I had put a couple marks down for him. So I thought that was a, was a positive sign. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number, yeah, I have the first time I mentioned McCullers was number 75 with a nice tackle. So, okay, went to go look up, like, who is this guy? 
look, well, the man is 6'7", 352 pounds, and he's out there, first game action against a tough team that knows they're going to run the football, and he held his own. And the Bears have been looking for people to kind of anchor, just be an anchor, just don't move. That's not an easy guy to move. So hopefully he builds off this performance because the Bears need some help on the inside there. But, yep, I, just like you, I have Daniel McCullers a few times on my uh, my notes here, which is a good thing for this Bears defense. And, again, you're still you're seeing nice plays from, like, a Brent Urban. Again, we mentioned Mario Edwards. Uh, on top of that, too, I saw, what's his name, Vodders, there we go, uh, getting involved in the action a little bit more. Uh, and I don't know, Nick. I mean, we keep talking about it um, just a little bit. Uh, just how deep this defensive front is and I feel like we're getting some of these nice contributions from some of these role players and that's just so helpful I think that's another part of this defensive success is the fact that they can get some production up front for some of these guys that maybe you don't expect it and they don't lose too much when uh, Bilal Nichols goes off the field you don't lose too much if Akeem Hicks needs a breather when you have some of these guys that can contribute to this degree of course you would rather have Nichols out there you would rather have Hicks out there but if you can give them some breaks and you also get some of these plays it helps and I think up front it was really much a team effort uh, to stop this rushing attack I know we're really big on the inside linebackers but those was the guys up front that kept them clean enough to go in there and start wrapping up and making these tackles so really uh, the entire front seven uh, I thought had a, a really really strong game they also were able to get you know Tannehill down for three sacks on top of that and just kind of all over with another six quarterback hits and I just thought, you know, again, uh, a good day from this unit up front. Is there anyone specifically or any any other general thoughts about the front seven? Yeah, I think, um, again, Mario Edwards is a guy that has made plays before. I think one of the bigger impact games he had was against the Carolina Panthers. We had him jotted down in our notes. He's making a couple good plays. He has one of these sacks uh, in this game. But I'm still looking for more of Robert Quinwell. Um, as much as this front all? seven... Yeah, as much as this front seven was, you know, did their job today against the Tennessee Titans, number 94 is just not uh, creating an impact. And we've been saying this all season. Like, again, he's had a few few splash plays, right? But the consistency isn't there. Just the, the volume of productive plays obviously are not there. And being what was supposed to be the replacement of Larry Floyd, he hasn't provided that. He's just another – he's the same – almost the same guy – wearing the same number, providing the same type of production as Leonard Floyd, which is exactly what the Bears didn't want. But they're just paying a lot more money to get that. And that's an, another thing that, again, needs to be improved. And I don't want to like harp on the defense because, it all, again, the only reason the Bears are even in this game going into, going into the fourth quarter, really, or, yeah, is because of the defense. So it, it's, it's something that... I don't know if that, like like a lot of the offensive production, I don't know if Robert Quinn's ever going to really make an impact. And that's, I don't know, that's kind of um, scary to say, given how much he's making and what he's supposed to provide. He just hasn't shown me anything to for me to think that he will. And I know, what, just in our midseason report, I thought maybe that was a guy that could traject upwards, but no, it hasn't been the case. So I'm going to have to backtrack on that comment that I made and maybe tone it down for robert quinn and what he can possibly do for the rest of the season yeah no it's he's frustrating uh again it, uh, he's maybe as frustrating as the offense sometimes uh, which i would say is uh <laughs> which is saying something uh nick what we saw from this bears defense um i think was very much status quo of what we've seen all season um bending and then unfortunately breaking here uh, just a couple of times but i thought they did a good job of not 
bending as much. Uh, I have in the first half five drives uh, that the Titans had 10 yards or less, or less than 10 yards, five different drives in the first half. In the second half, you have two of those, uh, maybe three. Uh, well, not maybe three. That wasn't two, but another one that only went for 12. Uh, so they're looking at about eight drives that went for 12 yards or less in this game from the Titans. What was going right on those drives? And then we can talk about what went wrong on some of the others. I think what the big thing what the Bears were able to do, especially on first and second down, and that's why Derrick Henry only averaged 3.2 yards per carry, he was literally taken out of the game on third downs. And so that's the Bears just doing all the right things, making actually making tackles. And we'll, we'll go to the other side of this, Will, what I, what I saw as well. But I think them winning the point of attack from that front seven standpoint that we were just talking about took Derrick Henry out of the game. And then that's a big piece of the, the Titans' offense. Then you're more so relying on some of these wide receivers and, and tight ends. That How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Eventually did make some plays, but that's what they did so well. And that's why on third down, I haven't jotted down, Will, there were seven three and outs for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, And that's, again, this Bears defense, I think, you look at the score, yeah, no, 24 points, they definitely need to do their job. Uh, yeah, no, let's let's wash that out of people's minds because they definitely did. This is another game where we can say, give them, give this Bears defense another, any other offense but the Bears are probably Jets, to be completely honest, and they probably win this game. So I think it was just their success they had on first and second down, taking Derrick Henry literally out of the game and then having one of those other running backs in there, that messed up, I think, the flow and what the Titans actually wanted to do. And that's why I think they were successful in doing what they did, you know, for a lot of a big portion of this game. Yeah, I mean, you're right, because if you take Derrick Henry out of the equation, you take him out, and that's the offense that runs through Derrick Henry. They're scrambling for looking uh, at other options, and they're not built to convert on third and long or anything like that. And that's what the Bears were really forcing him into. I see a third and seven, a third and nine a third and 13, a third and 10, a third and 17, another third and nine. It's They were keeping them in third and long situations, uh, which forces Ryan Tannehill to beat you with his arm. And the Bears defense, for the most part, played some pretty good coverage. Again, we'll talk about the drives where maybe they didn't uh, here in just a moment. But for by and large in this game, they were playing good coverage and they were in right position, winning in the early downs and really making it difficult for them to succeed there on third down. And the Bears defense getting off the field, uh, we don't want to talk about what happens after that. It's not good. Um, but I thought, by and large, the Bears defense did a great job of uh, just stopping this offense. Uh, again, I mean, you talked about it, like the huge, the fact that the Bears offense has more yards than the Titans did today with all the issues, it's, it's, tr- it's nuts. It doesn't make a lot of sense, really, when you kind of think about it. Um, but outside of that, Nick, uh, there's a couple of drives where really, unfortunately, things broke. Uh, the one in the second quarter where they marched, I think it was 91 yards down the field, uh, all the way down. Uh, they had four third downs converted on that drive, uh, which is the bulk of them uh, for the day for Tennessee. And then, uh, unfortunately, later in the game, uh, after the Bears get a field goal, the Titans themselves marched 76 yards down the field real quick. 
uh, only had to face one third down. They get a touchdown. I think that one was more of a, uh, the Titans imposing their will and saying, no, you're not, you're not going to come back in this game and we're going to show you. And also the defense is probably frustra- frustrated and tired at that point as well. But what wasn't working for the Bears on, like, on those drives? Again, not a lot of scoring drives for Tennessee really when the game was in the balance, uh, which, again, hat tip to the Bears defense for uh, holding down Pat. But what wasn't working uh, on some of those scoring drives? Yeah, I think um, it's a mixture of a bunch of things. Some of the things that what we've seen all season, right, where the Bears are missing some of these tackles. I, I had both the starting safeties with missed tackles in, in yep. this game, and I know that even on what it led to the, the Titans' first points of the game, which were just a field goal, well, that that whole entire drive continues because A.J. Jackson misses a tackle in the middle of the field, and then A.J. Brown makes two defenders miss. I think it was Roquan Smith and Kyle Fuller literally go out of the screen because he uh, just stops and breaks inside. Um, then you have yards after the catch with a buster screen who on A.J. Brown, that I think he leads the league in yards after the catch at wide receivers. He's up there. And when you have a guy, the mismatch in terms of height and weight, buster screen on him, that's going to happen. So some of the things that we've seen, Will, like obviously we've seen all season Ben don't break, but they will break at times. What's been the causation of that? Well, on those drives, maybe the pass rush wasn't as productive as we've seen, or there's just missed tackles, which we've seen all season. So it's a mixture of a bunch of things, but it's bound to happen. Like this, this defense isn't elite, so they are going to give up some of those drives where they're the, they're going to end up in a touchdown for the opposing team. But when we look back at it, what's really the cause? It's like the, all the things that we've seen all season because it isn't an elite group it's a good one and a great one but elite um elite doesn't let those things happen but when you have the same recurring problems like i was just mentioning then you lead to some of those points that the bears defense eventually gives up in any given game honestly if you didn't have the the drive brought to you by aj brown probably a hold you know looking at a slightly different uh frame here for this bears defense he had a a good catch uh, with Gibson in coverage, and he followed it up on another third down later, uh, the one with uh, Buster screening coverage. And uh, that was, again, that was a drive, though, that they really went he- heavy on the ground while the Bears defense to sleep a little bit, which I kind of warned us in the preview show, like Tennessee's going to do that. They'll run it five, six, seven times in a row. And then what do they do? Play action, take a nice deep shot. And that was a great throw, a great catch. Uh, Buster was in decent coverage there. Uh, you couldn't always ask for better, but that, you can't also, it's hard to, be in a spot when the throw is right on uh, the money it had to be right there in order for them to get that so yeah uh, again it's just a matter of just a few of those plays going the other way but by and large uh, this Bears defense it, it did its job I mean they only allowed one red zone trip this entire game uh, seven came from that 40 yard pass that we just mentioned the other seven came uh, on that fumble so that's not even the defense's fault so again uh, they did a good job I'd say today of not bending as much unfortunately it wasn't enough, um, but I would say for this Bears defense, which I believe on average has been allowing at least teams to get into the red zone a few times a game, uh, to only hold Tennessee in there once, and that was pretty late, uh, is a, another uh, telling stat of just how well I thought they played uh, overall. And on top of that, I don't know. It's just it's frustrating to watch it get squandered away, I guess. But what do you have? I see you put your finger up, which means you have a point. Yeah, so Will, I kind of want to ask you this question, and maybe people even in the chat, it's like, what at what point do you think this culture is really tested for the Bears? And what I mean by that is that there have been so many offensive performances, not only this year, 
but 2019, even 2018, where the defense has to do everything. They have to play almost perfect. Like we've talked about before, Well, they almost have to play perfect for you know the Bears to have a chance to win a game. But this is another game where the offense non-existent. Don't look at the 17 points. Actually look at what happened on the field. And the defense, the Bears lose, even though they have seven three and outs. Only one trip in the red zone. Do all these great things, and yet there's no win. I wonder at what point this this whole locker room boils over, something happens, where maybe one of the leaders on the defense either goes up to Nagy or some of these offense players, like, what the hell? Like, when, when are you going to back us up and actually do something for this team? It's one-sided. The defense and Cairo Santos are carrying this team and have done it for five wins almost, basically. And that's a problem. Like, I'm I'm really surprised, and I tweeted out during the game, at what point, I'm surprised it just hasn't happened yet. And we've seen some, I guess, maybe individuals on the team, the frustration's coming out. It's more apparent in some of these game broadcasts now where you see players are getting a little bit more frustrated. I think it's only at a certain point, Will, where we hear, like, one of these locker room incidents happen or something is said because this is unacceptable. And as a defense, how much more are you willing to watch wins, possible wins? This is seasons on the line. This is players' livelihoods on the line. And it's because one side of the ball cannot do anything. I'm just, so I don't even know if I asked the question. Do you think at some point, Will, this locker room is just going to blow up? Depends on your expectation level. Uh, and again, I think the defense knows that they're good enough, but I think at this point they just know what the offense is. Uh, so I don't know if if it's going to be increasing frustration or just accepting the fact of what's in front of them uh, as well. But I don't know. I, if I were in that locker room on that side of the ball, I'd be a little PO'd. Uh, and on top of that, too, uh, I think even if you verbally say something, it doesn't mean that you have a bad culture. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting better play from the other half of the football team when you're doing everything in your power to keep this team in ball games week in, week out, and you're just not getting any help whatsoever. It's uh, I saw here from Tony on Facebook, or he said, enough is enough. And I agree. I, at one point, this defense should say, enough is enough. Do your damn job or do it at least somewhat better because we're pulling our weight. It's time for you to do the same. Help us out once in a while. And after doing this for now, what, two, three years, uh, depending on 2018, they had a little bit more help, but the last two years has to be so frustrating. And I couldn't even imagine. It's like, and it's like doing like a group project, right? Like everyone's doing their weight, everyone's doing their job. And then you get there to do this presentation and someone's like, Oh, I didn't do my five slides. And then you all get like a failing grade for it. And, you didn't, it's not your fault, but your team, you're a group. And if one fails, you all do. Uh, and yeah, Nick, like you, it can't be all, you know, uh, rainbows and sunshine in that locker room right now. There's just no way. Like, oh, it's okay, you guys, you'll get it next week. No, <laughs> it can't be, right? No, yeah, I completely agree with that, Will. And, you know, you made a good point. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad culture, but you could start to see maybe the frustration just being more evident. And that, that should be the expectations. Like, I think at this point, fans maybe want to even hear that. Like, like again, we'll see what happens. It it has been a tight knit group. In 2019, wasn't easy for anybody, but the group stayed together. And just because you're letting out frustration doesn't mean there's a divide um, in terms of like culture wise. But yeah, I would I would be okay with Cleo Mack, who doesn't speak very often, 
going up to Matt Nagy or the offense and like you better do something and that should like scare the crap out of anybody just hearing that from Khalil Mack to be completely honest or you know Akeem Hicks growling at people like growling at his own offense whatever but and seriously like they should that should be the expectation because they've done all they could this season and now what started off as you know five wins in the first what six weeks whatever it was now they're five and four well now it's they're going to be really tested that culture is going to be tested this team's going to be tested if they can't get on the right track yeah i'm just like uh speaking of tested i think both of our patients is um as well so if ours are again if you're more into it and it's actually your livelihood and uh, you're the one out there putting your neck on the line each and every week uh, eventually uh you would think that some of these tough and probably needed uh conversations uh it must be happening uh real quickly i know we haven't there's, we can talk about uh, some individuals if you like. I think we should give some uh, some praise to our outside corners, uh, Kyle Fuller, Jalen Johnson. Uh, early on in this game, uh, they kept really wanting to go after Fuller. It wasn't working. And then, like, oh, we got to figure out we'll go elsewhere, which is when you start seeing some of these other plays happen. So kudos to Tennessee for figuring that one out. It's really hard to do much of anything uh, going up against Kyle Fuller. And then Jalen Johnson, too, had two really incredible PBUs in a row where he's making nice plays on the ball. So um, I know there's a lot of – uh, flack here in the, in, the, in the chat about Buster Screen, and I understand he gave up a couple touchdowns today. He was obviously he made a good tackle though for a loss. So there's a you know some positive in there too. But every defense is gonna have a weak link, and obviously the, he may be it. Um, but uh, the outside guys I thought played really uh, really well today. Probably the best two out of the entire secondary uh, from what we saw from Eddie Jackson. Uh, which you know they're talking about that touchdown, and I know it's a really good ball, but the Eddie Jackson I think I know. You know, has that range to go up there. You don't need the pick, but at least make a play on that ball. I thought he seemed a little soft at the attack mode there. I thought he laid off just a bit or was a step behind where he probably could have been, I would say. Maybe not should have. Maybe I can't say should have. He gets paid a lot. Um, But at least where I know he could have been. Yeah, well, that's a really good point because I think I had it in my notes or maybe just a mental note because Eddie Jackson has gone – for like where his range is at i think if you were to kind of go back anyone in the chat that wants to kind of look this up look at the interception he has against the arizona cardinals 2018 just look that up his interception the range he's able to get from hash mark to numbers which was similar in this game but i think this is a closer margin hey jackson wasn't there and that's that's kind of been like the reason why maybe we're not seeing the elite level of deep like individual players are not playing to what we've seen like that's a that's a play where i i believe that a jackson has a range to get over there and at least make an attempt at the ball or like deflect the pass wasn't close so i completely agree with you that's one that yeah he wasn't even in in the vicinity but to go back to jalen johnson too, those pass breakups that he had back to back one being on a third down and nine that happened right out of halftime the titans first drive and this has been times where we've seen the bears defense kind of let up kind of give the the team a few points but Jalen Johnson not having any of it having great back-to-back plays and just kind of showing like he is having a phenomenal rookie season um and the stats and everything kind of backs that up but just want to give him a little love there because those were two great plays but completely agree with you on a Jackson and, and like I said if someone wants to go look at the range he has uh and just being at the center field position in the secondary, go look at the interception he makes against the Cardinals. See how far he goes. 
This was shorter distance, and this one he wasn't even close. I, I guess when I asked earlier what was going right, now that we kind of talked everything through, it makes a lot of sense to say, you know, the front seven locking down Derrick Henry like they did, dialing up the pass rush like they did, whether it be just the front four or sending in a blitz uh, like what they did with Roquan uh, on third down, which is awesome because I've been waiting to see it. They don't use it a lot, but when they do, it's damn near effective. And on top of that, your outside guys are locked down. I mean, that makes things very difficult for an offense to figure out how to move the ball when your two outside receivers or anyone who's lined up outside. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You probably don't have much of a chance. Anything in the middle is going to be very difficult with what's going on up front, so then you do have to look into the slot and to some of those other areas of the field over the middle, test these safeties, and unfortunately I think the safeties uh, didn't hold up uh, too well today when they were tested, whether it be that terrible tackle attempt that allowed for 38 yards or so like right after the catch from Eddie Jackson Gibson I thought uh, didn't have his best game of the season as well but still I think what's working uh, today was the outside guys in the front seven Uh, that was a pretty good tandem that we saw yeah absolutely will um and you know I hope that play continues because uh that will at least still keep the Bears in games and you never know if little luck on that the offensive side can help but yeah (laughs) No. Just throw it away. Did you see the one play, though? Uh, in my notes, I'm just looking at anything else to talk about real quick. The one where Ryan Tannehill juked out Khalil Mack. It's like Mack gets you know, back I, there, he I, gets out there, he's trying to get the sack, and then he just takes a little sidestep, and he's able to scramble for like five yards. I'm like, well, that that's not right. That's not what I expected out of that. <laughs> he's an athletic quarterback, but that's Khalil Mack. He, yeah, that, that can't be happening, and... Yeah, there's a lot of things that, that can't be happening on both sides of the ball, specifically on the offense. Anything else on defense that you want to talk about before we move into the fourth quarter of our show? No, Will. Let's uh, get it going. All right, so jumping in, quick hit on special teams. Uh, at one point, Nick, I really thought we were going to be in a punt-off. Uh, who can have the longest <laughs> punt of the day? I mean, both punters, I mean, incredible stuff. I mean, uh, O'Donnell had six. Uh, theirs had eight punts. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, today, Nick, there was over 700 yards uh, that were punted uh, by both teams combined. Uh, 298 for us, uh, 404 for them. Um, but they had a long of 65. We had one of 64. And I'm pretty certain they were in opposite directions. So I don't know if it was a win, but it felt like both of those, uh, both punters today, uh, I don't, I, I don't, I'm gushing just because it was this back and forth 55 yard punt 60 yard punt like what like what are they on are they going to get you know randomly selected by the nfl for some uh, testing this week because uh, (laughs) that was uh interesting uh to say the least but uh, other than that uh i mean we can talk special teams here for a bit what do you want to talk about yeah i thought the bears were going to actually get a punt block at some point they were pretty close to uh raymond uh the the Titans punter a couple of times and being a new guy the first game that he's playing with the Titans this season um yeah I thought they would be close but you know what Dwayne Harris has again I think not I want to say he's been a spark plug at the position but he's been he's done some good things like the over the shoulder catch that didn't even end up counting because there was a penalty they repunted but had like 
if that was Ted Ginn Jr., he would have easily let that ball hit. It would have bounced. It would have stopped right at the one-yard line, and the Bears' offense would have been backed up. But even seeing Dwayne Harris attempt that, catching it, and it didn't even count for anything because of the penalty, I like seeing that from Dwayne Harris. I just like what he brings to that position and him fighting for every yard that he can get and at least giving that punt team an opportunity to set up some blocks so he can return it. Like That was non-existent with Ted Ginn Jr., so I really have enjoyed him being back there as a punt returner. Again, not expecting much, but I like seeing what he's able to do. Yeah, it's uh, he averaged 10.7 yards per return today. Uh, he had one of the, his longest was 19. And Nick, again, this was a non-existent element to our game uh, ever since Derek Cohn went down, and then they bring in Harris. And now he's at least giving the Bears, on average, at least 10 or so yards before the offense actually needs to step out uh, on the field. So just helping the field position game. Again, we need, unfortunately, more than that. Um, but at least we're not... Uh, shooting ourselves in the foot too much here now um, as punt returners uh, like we just were and again winning the field position battle just a, a little bit more here uh, unfortunately our coverage units I think I, I don't know I mean they had some issues they allowed 16.3 uh, yards per punt return um, but also uh, O'Donnell was booting the thing and unfortunately a couple of those times you're out kicking your coverage which could have negative repercussions um, as well but there are a few times when he's punting uh, deep in our own territory, like inside the 20. And I think he totally flips the field today, O'Donnell did. So I think uh, th- that's good uh, to see, of course. Um, and then like you, well, we talked about the fake already, so we're going to do it here, but they were close. I tweeted, I thought they're going to get a block. I mean, they're really close on a few uh, different occasions here. And uh, a pump block may have been like a play needed uh, to even give the Bears like a chance or like a big play like a, a pump block. Uh, and I was hoping that could have been one uh, that they could have gotten today. But outside of that, uh, another, you know, Dave with, uh, you know, Cairo Santos uh, going out there and hitting his one attempt that they allowed him to do today. Should have been a few more, uh, as we already discussed. But anything else on the third phase? No, that that's really it, Will. And before we, um, just in case um, where we're going with the next segment of our show, um, before we go and calling an audible, which we could just call an audible and for the entire game, to be completely honest, yep. like just let it not happen, right? Just want to make sure anybody that's looking to get a shout out on on the next podcast, you can do so by sending us a donation at Venmo or PayPal. And for Venmo, the the handle is at the Chicago Audible. PayPal is www.chicagoaudible.com/slash/paypal. Again, all the proceeds, all the donations that we get just go to make this show uh, happen really from the equipment that we use, the software that we're recording on, just anything that you can provide helps us to, you know, keep the show going during the tough times like this, another Bears loss, the third one will in a row now. So it's it's tough. But again, if you want to get a shout out on the preview show for this upcoming week, you can send a donation at Venmo at the Chicago Audible or PayPal www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Good reminder there, Nick. Uh, definitely get yourself a shout-out this week on the preview show. Uh, again, it's our only preview show we're actually going to have here for a couple weeks as the bye week will follow this one. So definitely uh, not that we won't have a bye week show, though. So I guess that doesn't even matter. But still, uh, help us out if you can. Super appreciated. I know Nick is working on his green screen to see what we can do. Uh, it came out a, a little wrinkly out of the box, uh, just, just a little bit. <laughs> very very wrinkly i have to put that thing in the dryer and see what we can do next it's it's huge too will like what you're seeing on screen easily that can all be covered up by the green screen then we can 
uh, have some fun with it. Yeah, and then you can get like uh, like the green man suit, and then you got, we can just totally make you invisible, and then you're good to go. I could just be like a floating head then if I took off just the you're right. mask. You that could would be a be, floating head. That would be that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the magic, the powers that be with technology. Yeah, I don't know if that's the best use of the tech, but we'll figure out what is uh, or what is not. Trial by error, uh, just like this Bears offense. All right, so it's time to call an audible. Uh, unfortunately, Nick, can my mo- audible be my monster moment? Can I just take that one back too? Uh, I mean, again, that fumble was huge. Uh, you're taking points off the board, or at least a chance at points, and you turn it into a three-score game. And, and this Bears team, how that offense was going, there's just no way uh, a three-score game uh, you're in contention. I mean, most teams midway through the third quarter, a three-score game, it's tough to come back on. So uh, to me, uh, it's easy uh, to look at that one and use it, so I'm going to do it uh, just because to me, again, uh, biggest moment, hence why it's the monster moment. And also, if you can take it away, I think it can, could could uh, give the Bears uh, a chance here down the stretch. Uh, how about you, Nick? What would be a, a moment or anything in this game that you wish could go differently? Yeah, you know what? I'll go actually on the very first drive of the game for the Tennessee Titans. Kyle Fuller is in perfect mm-hmm. position to jump the route for, I think it's A.J. Brown running again, the out route. Kyle Fuller's there and almost has that interception. And maybe even given how how fast he's breaking on the route, how late the throw was from Tannehill, maybe that's a pick six. Maybe the Bears go up early in this game. And maybe it's different. Who knows what could happen? Momentum and just just taking that play and the confidence maybe the offense has like going out on the next drive or whatever it could have been and look not to say that Kyle Fuller had a bad game or anything but I think that's a play that we've seen him make um you know one that we went to the the Miami Dolphins game well in 2018 it's a very similar play Kyle Fuller jumps around in an out route to the wide receiver I think Osweiler was a quarterback at the time and it's a very similar like that's what I envisioned that's what I saw when I saw the play but Again, this 2020 defense hasn't made those same plays that they did in 2018, but that's one I'd call an audible on. And again, no, we don't know if that changes the direction of the game, but uh, short field for this Bears offense, they need every yard they can get. And, you know, I think that's just a play that Kyle Fuller has made in the past, and I would have liked to see that one gone his way. Again, I mean, in a game like this, you need every chance you can, A, for points, and B, to seize momentum or take some momentum or create some momentum. And that would have checked every single one of those boxes there. So that's a really good one. I actually forgot I even had that in my notes. It, again, that game felt like a couple lifetimes. Uh, and I, I honestly thought that happened uh, last week. But that's a really good one, too. A small <laughs> one that I think, like me, people probably forgot about. And it could have had a, a bigger impact uh, down the stretch in how this game did turn out. But, Nick, uh, now that we've called an audible, who's going to be your Week 9 MVB? I almost want to give it to Pat O'Donnell just for the game that he had today and just punting the ball. But it has to go someone on the defensive side of the ball. And I really loved how these inside linebackers played. And I'm going to give mine to Danny Trevathan. I think especially given where he started this season and what he's able to do against a Tennessee offensive line, a Tennessee offense that runs through Derrick Henry. Going into this game, the NFL's leading rusher, he was all over the field making tackles and in the backfield or going downfield defending wide receivers Danny Trevathan was there and he was doing a hell of a job just helping this defense to mitigate the damage keep Derrick Henry at 3.2 yards per carry taking him out of the game on third down Danny Trevathan's a big part of that and I really enjoyed how he played in this one but I was easily going into the show well like 
Am I gonna give my MVP to Pat O'Donnell? Like we've done it for Cairo Santos, what twice I believe mm-hmm. this season. Which again, that shows how much this offense hasn't been capable of doing much. But I will give it to Dan Trevate. Then I really liked how he played overall run defense in the past and just where he's come from to where he's at now. I think he's definitely deserving to be the MVP of this one. Yeah, agree. That's a really good one. Remember, he was my X factor on defense, and I said we will live or die by how he defends uh, the run and the pass. And we lived because he was able to succeed in both of those regards. So that's a really good one. I'm glad he stepped up for you uh, enough to make him your MVB. I almost want to do something crazy and give it to McCullers. I really do because <laughs> he played well up front. And his defense, when he was out there, I thought they they – everyone up front looked a little bit better because they did have that big body in the middle that nose tackle and he provided run support and he helped keep these linebackers free but i won't give him the mvb although that was awesome for him his debut a nose tackle that no one ever gives any credit to uh becoming the mvb but so he's like an alternate for me so he gets some love but I'll give it to Trevathan's counterpart, and I'll give it to Roquan Smith because he was just all over the freaking field today. I mean, early on, he was just, every time I look up, oh, there's number 58 making a tackle. Oh, there he is again making a tackle on the sideline. Oh, he's in the backfield. Oh, he's in there again. Oh, look, it's third down. They sent him on a blitz. He gets a sack. I mean, he was all over today. Uh, he was tracking down people from behind. So, like, when there were catches over the middle of the field behind him, uh, he was able to catch them and make some tackles, not allowing those to go for larger gains. So uh, for me, Roquan just being up uh, or being all over the field and leading the team in tackles in that big sack too, uh, I'll I'll give it to him. Uh, MVB Roquan Smith. All right, Nick, do you want to do our uh, two-minute warning? I suppose we have to, Will, so... Um, you know, and I'll start it off too. All right. Just with with this two minute warning going into what a critical matchup, a primetime matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. Ooh, we have the timer here, so this is nice. I get to actually see how long hey, I talk. You're wasting for. seconds. Um, but I know. So basically, when I'm looking at this team now, five and four, dropping three straight, there's no signs of where they can actually improve, especially offensively. Given that they're going to be still down some starters going into this next game against the Minnesota Vikings, where are the Bears going to get any offensive help to establish the run? David Montgomery has a concussion right now. If he misses a game next week, that's even worse for an offense that can't do anything with the weapons that they do have. So I'm not feeling confident whatsoever about the offense, what its trajectory could be moving forward. And because defensively, they're going to be in every game, but there's no sense of confidence for me that the offense can capitalize and actually make the most of what the defense is giving them. They almost have to play perfect. I've said this so many times, and it's probably getting annoying at this point, what this defense has to do, but they really have to perform at their their peak performance if they want to be in any game. And look, they're almost doing that, but the offense isn't giving them any help. There's like We're seeing the same problems as well. Penalties, lack of execution, the details not being there from every single player. And that's a problem. That goes back to coaching. I don't care that the Bears have four or five original offensive linemen not in the game. You can't have some of your veterans make the same mistakes or just mistakes to mitigate the, the potential of every drive. And that's that's what's so damning to see every Sunday. And it's not going to be it's not going to get better. It, it won't. And I want to see, like I was talking about earlier with Will, at what point does this defense kind of look at the offense and say, 
when are you when will you do so you know the gift where you're poking at it do something that's exactly what this defense is doing to the offense and that's where i'll wrap it up there's no i guess future in this you did perfectly uh triple zeros across the board as soon as you wrapped up he says not gonna how personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client robots don't know you we do at Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Get any better, does that mean you peaked at your Magic 8-Ball? Let's check it out. Um, yeah, will it get better? And Oh, damn it, i got to shake it again. <laughs> it went away. It went away. Oh, there's the answer. Oh. No, this is not good. Don't count on it. <laughs> no. Oh, I don't know if you guys could see that in there. It's too blurry, but it says don't count on it for this offense getting any better. There's so many positives in that in this eight ball too, Will. Like everything we were asking it yesterday it was just random stuff. Everything was positive. Or yes, it, things will get better. Like that's like probably the one negative answer. And of course it happens. The Bears offense will not get any better. Don't count on it according to the Magic 8-Ball. I think the Magic 8-Ball may now have to be like a staple on our show, man. I mean, it proved, I, like I mean, it. it's, it's uh, earned its, I mean, it's earning some respect for me right now because if it would have said, oh, you know, it's going to happen or whatever, then I'm like, hmm. But the fact that it's like, don't count on it is like, <laughs> it's the most fitting answer of them all. Uh, so it's, it's really pulling its own weight right now. I'm glad uh, your early birthday present's helping us out. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, I think that was the same response, if I'm not mistaken, in the first Toy Story where Woody's shaking it. He's like, don't count on it. And then the whole uh, scene happens in, in Andy's room. But, yes, go go ahead with your two-minute warning. Well, I'll, I'll shut up about the Magic April. <laughs> You're gushing over it. All right. Uh, so for me here, uh, as my clock starts to tick for the two-minute warning, uh, it's really hard to know where to go. I mean, again, it was just a couple of weeks ago where we're looking at a 5-1 and one football team coming off a couple of big wins that we were pretty ecstatic about. And, you know, it wasn't always pretty, but at least they were finding ways to uh, win ugly. Uh, and even though it's hard to accept winning ugly sometimes, we were still accepting wins. And now that you're losing ugly, uh, I think we all know how bad that feels as well. I think uh, the whole frame of how we're looking at this team is starting to change uh, I think uh, confidence is starting to you know slip in a hurry uh, I think that's rightfully so uh, unfortunately for us and when you're looking at this offense Nick you know obviously we can't count on them getting better but uh, another issue as we're looking into next week even short term uh, maybe we'll get a couple offensive linemen back but what about David Montgomery like he, can, he went out with a concussion today without David Montgomery uh, what does that do? Does that mean you go to Cordero Patterson, uh, you know, 20 more times a game? I really hope not. Uh, on top of that, too, it's just something where, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm so at a loss right now. And usually I feel uh, at this moment I can wrap things up, keep it nice and elegant, and not really today. Uh, I'm just very disappointed um, for everything we saw today. And we knew it was coming. We knew it was coming. And, and it still really hurts. Uh, defensively, uh, we know this unit's really good. Maybe not – 100% elite, but still very, very good. Uh, and I think we saw some moments of elite defensive play uh, today. And heck, I guess if you can, I guess you can almost call borderline elite today uh, with Rabel to do with Derrick Henry. Um, unfortunately, though, with how this run defense goes, 
watch out for Dalvin Cook in a week uh, because he stopped one, uh, and then the wheels can quickly fall off here in just a little bit. But as I'm looking forward, I'm excited for the bye week, uh, a week off, so I don't have to watch this. Uh, so I'm glad we get a long week, get the bye week, and then we'll reset uh, as we kind of go forward. There we go. That was, that was close. Uh, we're getting. See, this is cool though to have a timer, and I can't. I, I have to stop looking at it uh, just a little bit too much. But yeah, Nick, five and four, five and four. I went from five and one, five, five and, and four. four. Real chance at five and five at the bye. Uh, it's scary uh, to think about, um, but that's kind of the reality that we're at right now. So I'm gonna yeah, uh, go in ahead. The chat will B team just ask, can the Magic eight ball call plays? Should ask it and maybe for for next week. But yeah, they again one of the many problems that's that's wrong with this team right now. So, but we'll, we'll see. Can the Magic eight ball call plays? I'm gonna shake it actually and see what it says. Do what it says real <laughs> quick. Dun dun dun. Oh no! Oh, there it is. It is concentrate and ask again. All right, the eight ball. It's thinking about it. It's thinking. It's, it's, it's honestly yeah. debating. Does it want that kind of responsibility? Uh, because it may not even help. Uh, so it's like I don't, it doesn't want to be the scapegoat. Maybe it should be uh, on Nagy right now, and it, it knows uh, that Nagy wouldn't even relinquish play calling duties over to the Magic Eight Ball. So maybe that's what it's all about. Uh, but I want to thank everyone here who is watching live. You know, really good live numbers and. Uh, it's Sunday afternoon, uh, at least around here, really nice weather, and I'm sure everyone had probably more important things or better things that they could have done instead of uh, you know relinquishing uh, in a loss like this. But I'm glad you did uh, join us today uh, for this postgame show, and same goes to everyone listening to the podcast across the globe. Um, uh, I appreciate each and every one of you uh, sticking through, uh, listening to us, uh, despite the effort and the, the outcome that we saw here in uh, today's game. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you get a notification each and every time uh, that we go live. Uh, participate in the live chat. There's a lot of fun happening in there. And, of course, rate, review our show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that helps us reach more Bears fans just like yourself. So up next, uh, we'll start doing our homework, looking at the game next Monday night. This Bears offense has to go in prime time here um, against the Minnesota Vikings here in now eight days. Uh, we'll be back here soon to begin looking at our Week 10 uh, preparations. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.